turning the microphone on. Happy New Year. It's 2024. Let's see how long I can do a weekly podcast. Going to try to just do content diet, one quote each. We'll see how this goes. I'm already realizing I need to pause because I need to find one of the quotes here for this book, Shogun. Anyway, going to try to focus on making shorts this year, but I do enjoy making podcasts. So I wanted to do that. With the focus just being audio, sometimes I get caught up with wanting to do the podcast, but then I want to post it to YouTube. Then I get to thinking like, oh, what what, what uh, video can I put to this? But maybe I could just make something because I enjoy making it. And if I, I think I actually, when I sit down and think of like, oh, what can I make actually each week? Really, if it was an audio only podcast and I didn't, ha- I wasn't distracted by thinking about making other stuff, I, it seems like it is the format that I could really do week in, week out. But I get distracted. I think like, oh, it's going to be too hard to grow an audience with a podcast, blah, blah, blah. I need to make it a video podcast, but. I don't. So I'm just going to do it as a hobby, stick to audio for now. And I think there's value in it by making sure like just writing an outline that can serve as like the base for a newsletter. And then that writing helps me to think and organize thoughts. And then I don't know, maybe that will help me to make shorts. Ultimately, I want to make short form videos, at least for like the time being. Not, I wouldn't say like ultimately it's like that's the only thing I'm going to do, but. For this year, that was the focus that I wanted to to have or like that. I, yeah, that's what I want to focus on this year, especially for, say, let's call it like the next three months right now. Had some momentum going into the holidays with a few video game history shorts. There was one that still gets views right now. So it's about, uh, I called it it's the story of Kirby Kong. It was just about how Kirby got his name from this lawyer at Nintendo who represented Nintendo when Universal sued them for the for Donkey Kong because they said like hey King Kong is our property you're you're stealing from that and then the lawyer pointed out like actually no it's this other company RKO had they're the ones that released the original film and you sued them saying that or no I, I think it was that they had to defend themselves and they won that defense Universal wanted defense saying like, no, this is uh, no one's property right now because it's in, I don't know that it's public domain, whatever it is, but basically like no one had the rights. So Nintendo said like, you used exactly this defense that no one has the rights to King Kong in the first place, but also Donkey Kong is not that close to King Kong. I guess like somewhat topical because the Mario, not Mario, the Mickey Mouse copyright is expiring, but it's like the Steamboat Willie version of it. So not all of Mickey Mouse's colorways are are entering public domain, so you can't just go make a Mickey Mouse movie and not expect Disney to think something of it. Anyway, okay, so the format for this is I'm going to just share five links. It's like content diet review, so five things. It can be things I've either read, watched, or listened to lately. Surprising thing here, no podcast episodes, even though for the most part I have usually like talked about podcasts that I've listened to and shared shared that, but this time just videos and books and one movie. So, oh, I, mean, I shouldn't hide it or anything like that. Here we go. So the the one video is uh, this journey to becoming a Michelin chef, a cool video that I watched this morning. 
Then the books are Fourth Wing, Shogun, and Feel Good Productivity. And then number five is a movie I watched with Amy over the holidays, Predator. The first one. All right, I moved to standing up. If I sound any different, maybe my energy is different. Uh, all right, so the first link here, it's this creator called H. Wu. He has, I think it's like 1.4 million subscriber followers on TikTok. And then, yeah, I think, I think approaching like a million. I think he's at like 700K on YouTube. Anyway, he, so he's a home cook. He makes, he shows like, th- that's not probably the best way to put it. It's like the the more professional end of a home cook where he's, he's showing like some pretty like advanced preparation of different things. Nice, fast editing, that sort of thing for, for the shorts. And he also hosts these dinner parties for his friends where he's making things you might see in an upscale restaurant. And he recently has started putting long form videos on his YouTube channel. And the most recent one is called, I think I want to be a Michelin star cook where he kind of, yeah, I think it's, I'm guessing it's like a new year, uh, new goals inspired thing where he's sharing sort of a day in the life uh, to start with. I thought it was going to be like this morning routine day to day thing, but then a few minutes in, he shares the journey, not journey, but the day to day of stodging at a restaurant. And it's not like an interview with the chef, the cooks there, but it's more sharing the process as they're talking over some of the tasks that he's going to be doing, showing some of what they're doing. And then he films some portion of that, but not the live service. More of it is uh, the prep work. So cleaning prep, yeah, prep work, uh, cleaning mushrooms. Then he talks about the mentality of doing that. And I really like that idea of uh, you get one task, one manual task, and then you repeat it over and over. That could be boring, but it you can frame it also as let me uh, challenge myself. If I'm going to repeat this, then with each one, the goal is to try to improve it in some way, either do it faster or do it better, find a way to do it more efficiently. Then if you can take a one hour task and get that down to 45 minutes and potentially with even higher quality than it was when you were doing it in one hour, that frees up 15 minutes of your time that you can go so that you can move on to the next task. So th- that's like the video here, but Overall, I think it's pretty cool when people are able to share their journeys. The book quote that I have here is from Austin Kleon's Show Your Work. He says, make stuff you love and talk about stuff you love and you'll attract people who love that kind of stuff. It's that simple. That's the end of the quote. So yeah, I think this is great. He makes food, he loves food, and he's previously talked about like these recipes and the food that he loves. And has attracted this huge audience that will now be able to follow him as he is on this journey to eventually be able to open up his own restaurant. And I think that's going to continue to attract people that love food, that love cooking. And yeah, I appreciate that he's able to share that. Another thing that like throughout the video, he's kind of like, (laughs) seems to be in a battle of like, how much of yourself can you share without feeling narcissistic or like being narcissistic? So interesting to hear some, some thoughts there and just like, the battle there. It's something I think a lot of people putting stuff online think about, overthink. And sometimes the answer is maybe like, yeah, it is narcissistic to some degree and I'll, I'll just need to like accept that. So he talks about that, that that's what he wants to do is share the journey because ultimately he wants to open up a restaurant and he wants to kind of do it the proper way as far as like, don't just jump into it. 
he's going to really understand the business by, I, I imagine, stodging at different restaurants um, before he goes ahead and opens his own. So it is this idea, the Gary V thing, yeah, document, don't create, where he's documenting this journey and he's at the start of it. I think something that happens is people will hear like document, don't create, but then they're not actually like creating anything. So they're documenting the documenting and not creating anything. So then you end up with this vlog of thinking of video ideas, but you're not doing anything else. And then it's, it ends up like not being interesting. So you're documenting yourself, documenting instead of creating something or doing things that are interesting. I'm, I'm plenty guilty of this too, of like, oh, document, don't create. And then it's like me at a desk, which can be cool, but not the form that I was doing. So I think it's Tim Ferriss that, that talks about this, that the easiest way to have interesting writing, and if you imagine like interesting content, is to do interesting things rather than just sitting trying to become the most beautiful writer. And in the same way, you can sit and try to become like the best video editor. But if you and that can be great if you're working with someone else and kind of like being the best video editor and they're doing something cool that you're documenting or yeah enhancing in some way that's cool but if you're j just the best editor and then you're trying to put create videos about you editing your own videos there's not it, it becomes a thing where you you're not working with enough like good raw material so i think this is a a great example of someone that's doing the document don't create thing that He's documenting this journey to create a restaurant, starting from scratch. That said, he also includes clips of himself in the content creation journey that it's a few hours of editing every day. So that part was cool. Other things this relates to, so I wrote here, Mark Manson. He was recently on the David Perel How I Write podcast. And then they had this discussion about like, if you could have one or the other, would you rather be someone with great ideas who isn't that good at writing? Or someone who's really good at writing but doesn't have great ideas. And you might by default think, oh yeah, you want, I want to have great ideas, of course. That's like the foundation for everything. Yeah, but if, if you just write completely dense, if you wrap that idea and just bury it in dense content, probably not going to go anywhere either. So it is a balance. Maybe it's more like 70-30, but it definitely you probably don't want to be like all the way on one end or the other. And then some other creators doing a good job with the document don't create. I think Matt Choi does this really well with running, though he posts like quite a lot. So yeah, I've heard some, I'll always bring him up when I hear like a friend is running and they're like, oh yeah, he posts so much though. I think it's great. Then there's Sam Sulek who is uh, blowing up in fitness and yeah, he posts pretty much every day, posts his drive to the gym his workout at the gym and then the drive home. Sometimes there's different things about where he's at, like the grocery store or at home eating and talking about his food. And it's great. Long form content seems to be doing really well for him. And th there were a few, I listened to a few different podcasts just about like creating videos online. And one take I did, I, I really disagreed with was this idea that, oh, it's, it's his authenticity. Th that's the key to his success compared to other like, like bodybuilder creators. And. I think that's like great, like a good part of it, but it is also how he looks like he's enormous, great body. <laughs> Something else I saw was like, yeah, it's his authenticity. Like he, he just, his thumbnail is not like over designed. It's just a screen cap from 
his video and it's because his body is his body looks like a thumbnail it's a scroll stopper like that sort of thing how he looks is a big part of it but yeah he's not over the top he's talking through most of it so it is this long form stuff the authenticity is great but i think if you think like that's the only thing that's doing well that that's leading to the success i think so like someone might be a boring speaker and that's what's authentic to them. Maybe, maybe that's a bad argument. I don't want to make a bad, bad argument here. Anyway, number two, Fourth Wing. It's a fiction novel. A lot of people are, <laughs> have been reading it the past year. I think it's like the best-selling what, fiction book, maybe like best-selling book. I, I think right now on the New York Times bestseller, Rebecca Yaros has like with Fourth Wing and then its sequel, Iron Flame. That's book number one and number two on the New York Times bestseller list right now. I read Fourth Wing. Great book. Uh, I don't read a lot of romance, so that part was kind of new to me. I didn't, I read Harry Potter, what is it, Hunger Games. So there's a couple books that it's compared to. And I didn't read Twilight, so that's another one that it's compared to, which is the one probably where like that one also likely has a lot of, of romance in it. So yeah, those parts were new to me. Really entertaining book. If, yeah, especially it is this combination of these young people. I think they are in their twenties. They're at a school. So imagine instead of Harry Potter, where it's like people in elementary school growing up, it's people in their sort of post-grad, I guess, or like they're, they're in graduate school and it's a school with dragons. And then some people become writers, other people become scribes. And I'm guessing there's other things like probably some kind of medical word, that sort of thing. And it's very difficult to try to become a writer. The one thing like that came to mind a lot was I might have just missed it, but I didn't understand like why, why, like when they, and this isn't much of a sport, like people start dying pretty immediately. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, once the action starts, there's just like pr- more like NPCs dying. It's like they'll mention their name once before they die. And yeah, so there's just like all these students that die in this process. And. I don't understand why they have to die. I think there's maybe some valid thing where you want the writers to be able to like excel when it's life and death. But I, I just, I feel like you don't have to like actually kill, like you can make it really high stakes. Maybe you get injured, but like for all these kids to, like, or they're not kids. I guess they're, you know, young adults to, just to be dying. It just seemed nuts to me. Like, I feel like they'd be more useful with the Hunger Games. I always got the, I can't actually remember why they had to kill each other, but it did sound more like post-apocalyptic and they couldn't really support the large population. So they did have to like get rid of some of the population in some way. But here it seems like they could use as much help as they could get. Anyway, I, I feel like special forces around the world have to like, perform well in life and death situations, but the recruits don't all just die. Anyway, excellent book. Though. And because they are dying, it's, it is pretty, it is great. It makes it more entertaining. Like the stakes are high. Characters can die. And here's the quote that I have. There is nothing more sacred than the archives. Even temples can be rebuilt, but books cannot be rewritten. That's the end of the quote. It's also, yeah. So it's a, it's a book that I think I'm guessing it's pretty popular through like book talk on TikTok. And yeah, there are lines like this. And also the main character comes from, she's like half, half where like her dad was a scribe. So he 
I don't think it's necessarily a librarian, but like knew about everything in the archives. Uh, kind of like a, a knowledge worker is what it sounds like. But then her mom was, I'm getting the like position wrong, but like general of, or is, the, yeah, like the general of a, the dragon army that I'm oversimplifying. So yeah, she's, she's, her identity is kind of both of those things. And yeah, and it, what, what I mentioned about like lines like this, but books cannot be rewritten. It is like a love letter to, to books and reading and knowledge that a big theme through the book is that, yeah, you can have like all these things like strength, willpower, and then at the macro scale, like the, the bigger army and that sort of thing. But ultimately that it's this transfer of information that becomes the most powerful thing that that can turn the tides and create leverage, like a huge advantage where you might think you're at a disadvantage. Also, the bigger dragons are an advantage, so that comes into play. Anyway, great book. If you're thinking about reading it, I definitely recommend it. Number three, Shogun. This is a book that I'm currently reading. I'm about maybe like a third or a quarter of the way through. And I guess like it used to be one book. Now it's in like released in two parts. So I think it's something like 700 pages for each part, something where it's 1600 pages. So what I wrote here is if you like Last Samurai, and you like 1,000-page books, you're going to love Shogun. I'm loving it so far. It starts out kind of not necessarily beat for beat, but there are definitely, not not in the same sequence, but a lot of the scenes, I guess, remind me of Last Samurai. And it really, I should really be saying that the opposite way, or like the reverse way, because this book came out in the 70s. So probably if you read this and then you watched Last Samurai for the first time, you're thinking like, oh yeah, you, I kind of know what's going to happen here. That, that said, like, when you were watching Last Samurai, you probably knew, like, most of what was going to happen, who's going to fall in love with who. Maybe not exactly how everything plays out, but a lot of times, you know, you know where things are going. He's going to turn into a samurai, Tom Cruise. Anyway, so I picked this book up because there's a lot of these uh, commercials for it. Uh, I guess there's going to be a show on Hulu. And I saw that enough. And I remember, like, watching that commercial and then thinking, like, oh, that reminds me, like, isn't there a book called that? And I had seen the Audible book, but didn't buy it because it was so long over the past few years. Like, it, it would always, like, show up in recommendations. And I thought it was a newer book just because it had covers updated. So I thought it was, like, from, like, the 2000s or even, like, within the last 10 years. But it's a book from the 70s. And here's a, here's a quote from it where, okay, so here. The emperor and the entire imperial court were kept completely isolated in walled palaces and gardens in the small enclave at Kyoto, most times in penury, and their activities perpetually confined to observing the rituals of Shinto, the ancient animistic religion of Japan, and to intellectual pursuits such as calligraphy, painting, philosophy, and poetry. That's the end of the quote. And this is, this is one of these things where I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I also don't know if it's true. I didn't go to like fact check it. Uh, a lot of the like Goodreads reviews that are, you know, three stars or less. We'll talk about the historical inaccuracies. So I just don't know like what is accurate in the book. What I can say is the book has been really entertaining so far. It's about this Englishman who is the pilot of a ship, of a Dutch ship that goes to Japan and yeah, I guess the, that's the setup there. And I don't know what happens because I'm, I'm still reading it, but I've been enjoying it. Very entertaining. Of course, it reminds me of, I, I read Musashi a couple of years ago, which is about a Japanese samurai instead of, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this 
Maybe this isn't going to turn into the last samurai where like maybe this ship captain is not going to, you know, don the the full samurai gear by the end of this story. But yeah, Musashi was great too. I would say this is more entertaining so far from what I remember reading through Musashi. Though I don't know like if better is the right word. I shall finish this one and then think through that. Then as not necessarily specific to this book, but I do want to create a short about this. The way that I'm reading this book, I have the the audiobook, or I guess the title of the short would be like The Expensive Way to Read Super Fast. Basically, it's by having the audiobook as you read the book. Uh, and that's how I've been reading this. This is how I read Fourth Wing and also the next book, Feel Good Productivity. But I, I already have all often bought the audiobook. So with Kindle, oftentimes you can buy the Kindle book and then there will be like a checkbox to buy the Audible book for, I think it's like seven bucks. So not too bad. And then sometimes the Kindle book is on sale. So if the Kindle book is three bucks, then you can, you still get that deal on the audiobook. So it's like 10 bucks for both. 10 bucks combined. And then you have the Kindle book and the audiobook. So I have a bunch of these pairs of books and never really did the thing of reading and listening at the same time, but I started to try it again. And I, I gotta say it's working pretty well. So I'll put the book on at like 2.5x, sometimes 3x while I'm reading it. And th- that sounds fast. I know there, there's some people that like read or like listen to books at 3.5x regularly, but that's uh, always seemed like way too fast for me. Even like 3x if I'm just listening, uh, and sometimes even like 2x if I'm, if I'm listening, I can't, I'll, I'll, you know, not pay attention for a minute and then like it's lost. Like I can't, I can't get back to my place comes hard to rewind. So um having both it like the audiobook and the Kindle book, the, like the text in front of me, shores up the weaknesses of each one while going really fast. So with say like the yeah, I'll call it a print book. So like with a print book, I'm able to look at it, read pretty fast. I I think if you actually measured how fast you read, it probably is actually like faster than two or three X. What it, yeah, like the two or three X speed that you would get in an audiobook. We read pretty fast, but I'll just get distracted. So the audiobook helps to like clear that gap or like close that gap and helps me just stay focused on tasks. Like if I'm sitting down and I'm deciding I'm going to read, then having the audiobook going while I'm reading keeps me on task. It just like constantly reminds me that I'm reading when I want to like go to the browser or go look something up. Um, so that's the main thing. It keeps me on task. Even if I'm reading somewhat slower than I actually would be, uh, where it's like 2x or 3x, the, the efficiency is there. So w- if I'm reading for an hour and I'm actually reading for, say, like 50 minutes of that, maybe I have to rewind sometimes for, say, like 10 minutes of that is backtracking. That's way better than what it would be if I weren't listening at the same time. It might even be like, if I'm sitting down to read for an hour, half an hour might just be lost to other things on my phone. And then the other side of that is the audiobook. Uh, the downsides of an audiobook, like, like I mentioned, stop paying attention for a minute. Then it becomes hard to like backtrack to because you have to like rewind, rewind, listen, think about like if you remembered that part, rewind, fast forward. And it's, it's a lot of like skipping back and forth. And then sometimes the audiobooks don't have the chapter titles. So that becomes kind of hard. It becomes hard. And yeah, having the text in front of you makes it possible, especially if it has like whisper sync, you can scroll up and down and then the audio will start back at the top. So it becomes easy to rewind the audio exactly to where you remember last. So that helps. And then the second part of it is just highlighting and adding notes is way easier when you have the text in front of you. So 
and that helps with ret- retention. Oftentimes, the pushback on audiobooks is like, oh, you're not really reading. You're not going to retain any of this. I somewhat disagree with that already, like even without having the highlights and things. They're just like thinking back. I, if I compare like, it, it mostly comes down to like how much I talk about the thing or I do something with whatever it is that I'm listening to or reading that there are plenty of books also that I've read while focused. And then I couldn't really tell you that much about it, but there are audiobooks where if I was writing notes, there's plenty that I could uh, remember now, even without say like looking up. But being able to listen to the audiobook and write notes and highlight makes it, yeah, kind of, kind of like the weaknesses go away in one way or the other. So this has been really good for me as far as like reading speed and just getting through books, which I like doing. I have like this backlog of things that I want to read and it's great entertainment. And also if I want to fool myself into thinking I'm learning stuff, it's, I think it's also a better way to learn when I think back to like fourth wing shogun feel good productivity that I do actually like right now, I feel like I did absorb those better than other books that I had in the past. So I also read some of Elon Musk's book this way. So I'm going to keep trying to do it this way, but it is uh, a motivating thing is seeing how much time. So it'll give you the time estimate of like how much time is remaining in the book based on like your speed. So if you put it at It's very discouraging to see a book like the audio length is like 24 hours, but then you put it at 2.5x, 3x, and you see like, oh, eight hours or like 10 hours. That's somewhat manageable. If I do like an hour a day, half an hour a day for the next three weeks, I'm going to get through this enormous book. Very motivating. It makes me feel like I can add some long fiction books to my life, which are probably like the books that stick out the most for me. Like I mentioned, like with Musashi. Anyway. Great book. I'll keep talking about it in future episodes, but, and then probably we'll talk about the, the show as well in the future. Anyway, next up, number four, feel good productivity. I mentioned this a little earlier. Yeah. So I bought the audiobook. I bought the Kindle book. And then I wanted to do like a clickbaity short, not that it would actually like get me all that many views anyway. So I'll probably avoid the clickbaity part of it, but it was going to be like, um, reading feel good productivity at 3.5x or something. And this is because Ali Abdal talks about how he listens to a lot of books at 3x, which I don't know. I think he's just wired differently as well because he, he went through a lot of like fantasy novels that way. Just, just listening. I've tried that before with say like science fiction and also fantasy. And if I do it with the, like I said, like if I do it without having the text in front of me, I've never been able to get through. I'm trying to think like maybe some shorter books, but. Most books that I've tried to do that with have not stuck quite quite as well. Anyway, here, here's a quote that I highlighted in Feel Good Product- Productivity by Ali Abdal. He writes, What would this look like if it were fun? I stuck the note on my computer monitor and went to sleep. Then further on, he writes, What would look like this if, the, if it were fun has now become a guiding question in my life. That's the end of the quote. And I think this is, if, if there's just like one question to, or like one thing to take away from this book, it's that question of like, what would this look like if it were fun? This can help like reframe a lot of different things. Like I mentioned with uh, the first link that I talked about today with H. Wu talking about the mushroom, like cleaning mushrooms. It's not, maybe it's not necessarily like, what would it, maybe fun isn't the way that he was looking at it, but it was like 
putting like some kind of not game i guess yeah like game aspects to it where he was trying to think like okay do it faster do it better in some way making it a little more engaging than uh, just this manual task to repeat over and over it what would it look like if it were fun is kind of like what i'm why i'm recording this right now because podcasting is fun to me it's a saturday i'm recording i'm happy to record this and to just yeah and then other things like what would it look like i'm trying to get 10,000 steps a day to make that fun i have a treadmill that and then i have my laptop and time just melts away because i have my laptop so you know it can be fun to you in a way like kill time on the computer and that makes using the treadmill more fun or like playing a game while on the treadmill makes it more fun like if you're going to doom scroll and make time just disappear and melt it may as well be walking while you're doing that and yeah Ali Abdal, he's a great example of the document don't create sort of thing where he's documented a bunch of different journeys uh, in his life where he was documenting med school, documenting being a doctor, and then documenting, yeah, like starting his course business and being a writer. And yeah, it's all these different, like what I wrote here. He's navigated in and out and sideways through different niches to go from doctor to productivity to guru. And now New York Times bestselling author. I think he was number five on the, I think it's like nonfiction self-help, like that category. And I got to say, because the book released December 26th, so he was up against the king, James Clear. Atomic Habits was number one again. And I saw this post that was pretty motivating as far as how you start out the year. I started out this year like um, just recovering from a cold, I guess like just being sick. And so I didn't hit some of the goals already. So if I wanted like this perfect year of hitting my habit goals, already I've missed them. So I don't want to, and now it's a chance to like not throw the year away. But yeah, James Kerr says in 2018, the book was unranked on Amazon for overall books. 2019, it finally got to number 58. 2020, it was trickling up again and it was 25th overall. Then in 2021, overall Amazon book sales, Atomic Habits was number one. 2022 fell to number five, but then recently 2023 of all, of all the books on Amazon that this includes like, what is like Prince Harry's book, all these other books, Atomic Habits was number one. And this is year like after five years of being released. So I think that's really motivating. I'm curious how far Ali Abdal's book, Feel Good Productivity will move up the list if it will at some point hit number one. Rooting for him. I've followed him for a long time. Also like have bought his course and i think it's a really good one i i think it's a shame like no i don't know about a shame but it it does suck that a lot of people call him a scammer and i think like that word scammer has it's just like too broad how some people use it that if you if you're a creator and then you create a course about making videos you are now a scammer you are now in a lot of people's eyes a scammer but the, the course has good content i think people think like if you're charging money for stuff that's available for free that automatically is a scam but i don't know i understand the value of like someone else organizes like takes the time to organize information i saw someone like unironically post like a comment that's it was something like why would i pay for this i could spend a few hours getting all of this free on the internet and it's like you could or you you can pay for this and someone has curated and organized it Anyway, so I have been thinking about that question. What would this look like if it were fun? 
That said, an example I have here now, not an Ali Abdallah example, but it's one from James Clear in a recent interview. And actually, he, to Ali's credit, James Clear credits Ali Abdal for the idea of uh, what would this look like if it were fun in this example. So, uh, James Clear heard of this couple who wanted to cook more meals to stop eating out quite so much. And one way that they made it more fun was uh, the wife would pick recipes from countries they had visited before. So that's probably a way to remind themselves of like good meals that they had from different countries and now they're cooking it at home. And then they were able to just like keep that up week after week, adding all of the, like trying out all these different recipes from countries they visited and then added more countries that they want to visit. And then they can try those dishes there. So yeah, I thought that was a a cool example. Anyway, uh, go read Feel Good Productivity. I really liked it. And we'll continue to ask like, what will make this more fun? And a way that I applied that, say, like in the last few months was thinking about like content that I'm making, like the shorts that I'm making, where I started to do more like of these like video game history ones because it's more fun to learn about that. That's like the topic that I'm more interested in than say like some different, I don't know, like just some other random business history sort of thing or like, I don't know, like world history. I'm much more interested in the history of gaming, history of tech. So I'm going to try to lean to topics that I find fun to learn about. Another topic that's fun to learn about that is not gaming is old movies, old action movies. So number five, Predator. I watched this over the holidays at home in Washington at my parents' house with my wife. We watched Predator, the first one. So here's the quote I have from it. Max friend Blaine has just died. And he's saying, t- it says like in in this, uh, I pulled this from IMDb, it says to Blaine's corpse, but it's like Blaine's corpse in his head. He's not looking at the corpse. He's just like sort of speaking to himself. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's losing his mind. Anyway, he says, here we go again, bro. Just you and me. Same kind of moon, same kind of jungle. Real number 10, remember? Whole platoon, 32 men chopped into meat. We walk out, just you and me, nobody else. Right on top, huh? Not a scratch. Not an effing scratch. You know, whoever got you, they'll come back again. And when he does, I'm going to cut your name right in. I'm going to cut your name into him. Okay. That's the end of the quote. My thought was, I I thought they needed to establish their friendship here a little bit better. Like, I think this does a good job of it. I think they should have done it before he died. Because then it would make the, the death a little more tragic, where mostly it's gruesome. But also, like, this is a classic movie that stood the test of time. So what I know here, really, I think Amy was entertained by the movie. But also, I think her reception of it was more like I was showing her a B movie instead of like, a, you know, a former blockbuster that, again, has stood the test of time. All just always, always an entertaining movie. One I'm happy to rewatch once a year. And it reminded me of a book I read last year called Last Action Heroes. It's a, a excellent book. If you love action movies, it goes like each chapter or like there's probably like a couple chapters on a bunch of different action heroes from the 80s. So there's one on like Jean-Claude Van Damme. There's Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's I think there's maybe a chapter on Jesse Ventura or at least he's mentioned. And then Steven Seagal, Chuck Norris, all your heroes. And yeah, Predator appears here. And they say they oh yeah I thought I, I just wanted to include something like interesting where they talk about Jesse Ventura's gun in it that he has the minigun and the director says it was ridiculous 
completely impractical as a real gun. We had to slow it down by a factor of 10 or something so that you could even see the spin. And it could only shoot maybe five or six seconds worth of bullets before the guy was standing up to his knees in shell casings. But carrying it around just looked cool. That's the end of the quote. Yeah, like in the movie, the, <laughs> there's that one scene where they're all just shooting the forest and tearing up everything in front of them. And the minigun is like spinning for the whole minute of it. But yeah, I guess you would just... I, I did look up on YouTube, like just different videos of people at ranges shooting the minigun. And it, it seems like unfathomable, really, like how fast the thing shoots that. I think it's like six, is it six? Yeah, 6,000 rounds a minute. So every second, no, 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 every millisecond or 10th of a second, every second it's shooting out. I think it's shooting out. Yeah, 10 bullets every single second. So yeah, it'll just like run through the bullets. Anyway, the pre- it's amazing that the predator escaped us. He was long gone, really, by the time they started shooting in that scene. Also, the fun fact that Jean-Claude Van Damme was on set for, I think, two days that the, the book describes like there's some misunderstanding that Jean-Claude Van Damme thought maybe he was going to be the main character. In a way, he is. I mean, if he was the predator, it is the title. I, I, I could see where the confusion comes in. Like, hey, guess what? Like, we're going to do a movie called The Predator. You're the predator. Oh, awesome. I'm the star of this movie. <laughs> and then he arrives and is practicing his splits, jump kicks, whatever. Then they tell him to put this crazy suit on. And I'm guessing it's like 100 plus degrees. And then this makes it probably like 110 degrees. Leaves the set. Leaves the movie. But was there for a bit. And yeah, got to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger at at that time. Anyway, great movie. Check that out. Thanks for checking this out. This is going to be, it says like, it's like 45 minutes now. I'll edit it down. If you made it to the end, thanks. This is five different things from my content diet that I thought were worth sharing. And check out my shorts if you get the chance. And maybe some of what I talked about today will appear in those shorts in the coming week.